Sister Mary Dominic Pitts. And I think most of you know Sister Mary Dominic. Um, please give her a hand because I am so happy to have Sister Mary Dominic um, speaking for us and to us. From Birmingham, Alabama, Sister Mary Dominic grew up in the Methodist Church and converted to Catholicism in 1980 while doing graduate work in Belfast, Northern Ireland. An ironic place to convert from Protestantism to Catholicism. She was confirmed in Belfast, near where St. Patrick was bishop in the 4th century. After finishing a doctoral degree in linguistics, Sister taught at Auburn University for five years then entered the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville in August 1987. She made her first vows in 1989 at the age of 33, a symbolic age. And she made her final vows in 1994. Except for one mission assignment and three years at St. Cecilia Academy, she has taught at Aquinas College for over 20 years. So, thank you. And um, a sister has taught scripture and in the English department at Aquinas um, and, and uh, has done so much for the linguistics. She introduced linguistics, I know. Um, but for today, sister is going to speak. Uh, at my request, I asked if sister could speak on the Psalms. Um, in particular, knowing you as lay Dominicans uh, and uh, to inspire an increased devotion to your praying the divine office. So uh, the more we can learn about the Psalms, the more uh, those prayers come alive for us, and uh, the greater will be the prayer that you offer uh, for the Church as, as lay Dominicans. So please welcome with me Sister Mary Dominic. say something and they'll say it again and that's the rhyme and so 
Now back to the parallelism part. Um, there are several, there's some kinds that have more than two. And these are really fun because each one kind of ups the ante every time it says something. So this is from Psalm 30. And um, these lines say, You, my God, have healed me. And then, O Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead. Okay, so healing goes to resurrection. And then the whole line, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave. So it gets bigger every time. And uh, here's another one like that. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Exalt you just. O come, bring out your joy. So uh, so you have uh, all your offered apart. So they, again, they like the parallelism to rejoice and to exult, to bring out your joy. Uh, and uh, oh, the rejoice, rejoice. Actually, this one is a little bit different because um, I should have said it goes from uh, the second degree to the first degree to the third degree of excitement. Because any time that Hebrew of any kind repeats words, like rejoice, rejoice, that means more of it. Because they didn't have comparative and superlative and adjectives or um, you know, verbs or anything like that, the equivalent. So they would just say it twice. And um, one of my favorite psalms is um, in a, what I'm going to show you next month in the Psalms of Ascent is the Psalm 126, and that's the one, they go out, they go out, full of tears, carrying seeds from the sowing, they come back, they come back. And there's uh, another one that says, um, prosper the work of our hands, O Lord, prosper the work of our hands. So it re- anytime it repeats itself, um, and that one that we did, um, they, um, let's see, they, um, they gathered me about, they surrounded me like bees, something like there's two different ways that the bees surround me anyway, it's said twice. And the most famous one of that is the Sanctus, 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 that the angels, the seraphim, sing in Isaiah 6, that we have the, the Sanctus in Nasra. But because they say it three times, that's the ultimate degree. Now here I actually found a four-way parallelism about idols, and the, the Jews never lost any uh, opportunity to make fun of idols. So they say here, they have mouths that they cannot speak, they have eyes that they cannot see, they have ears that they cannot hear, and they have nostrils that they cannot smell. And I think it goes on to a couple of others that I forgot to put in, but it's just this long list of, um, of you know, the things that idols are, they're just, dead and so there again you have the different mouth, different body parts sort of that could praise God but here they're, they're just dead and idle but the parallelism is fun because it's perfect parallelism there now here you have there's a kind of um, parallelism that's antithetical and so um, so this is uh, let me get the song over here but some trust in chariots or horses, but we in the name of the Lord. So it says some trust in chariots, but, but we. So those are antitheses, you know. Um, and then you have the, you come back to the first one. They will collapse and fall, but we shall hold the same firm. So you have a pair of, of antithetical um, songs. 
And this is the third type of, um, of Hebrew um, where you get the, the two different lines of the verse. So this one is called a progressive. It has other names, but this makes the most sense. And in this one, it's not that they are, they're not the same thought, but rather the, the thought in the first half of the verse is developed further in the second, so it goes farther on. Your favor had set me on a mountain fastness. Then you hid your face and I was put to confusion. So those obviously are neither um, you know, the same or opposite, but the, the second one goes on from the first one. And then Psalm 115, their, make, their makers will come to be like them, and so will all who trust in them. I thought I'd, I'd give you a little, um, some sound effects from Psalm 29, which is a wonderful psalm because it's about a, a thunderstorm. And um, it's the one that, it's on, I think, Tuesday morning of week one, so you should, if you say the office every day, you'll come across this one pretty soon. And um, so it repeats, almost like lightning striking. So I found this great picture of lightning, but I couldn't, but I couldn't get it to, um, to, to, I couldn't get the text to wrap around it, so I just had to move it to a different slide. But it sounds something like, and, and notice the repetition here. Havu Adonai Benai Elohim, Havu Adonai Kavod Ba'oros, Havu Adonai Kavod Shimo. So it's like, you know, the lightning strikes each, each time you have the Havu um, Adonai. And then, and then you have the voice of the Lord speaking. So, Kol Adonai Bachosh, the voice of the Lord in power. Kol Adonai Beharar, Kol Adonai Shaver Arazim, and it just keeps uh, thundering, thundering, lightning. Uh, this could be also a reference to Mount Sinai, actually. Um, but this one has the the voice of the Lord is so strong it breaks the cedars. There's another line I didn't put on that says the cedars of Lebanon get broken apart. So uh, it's a majestic psalm. And actually the end of the psalm, um, I had to leave some lines out, but it says all the people cry glory. You know, it's the, it's, uh, the Lord is manifesting a um, theophany. Actually, I think that that is um, all that I put, just with the actual poetry part of the, of the songs. So, and we, um, whatever we want to do, I, I could start the second part, or we could stop. We could stop the questions if you would like to ask questions. Questions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I kind of word. Yeah. It helps a lot. The one back is that the Seder dinners? Um, probably the Seder. Adonai means Lord. Okay. Yeah, Adonai means Lord, uh, and then uh, Elohim means God or gods. It's actually a plural. It's a technical plural that's used as a singular. And then there's a sacred name of God that, that appears in the scriptures that, that Orthodox Jews never say. And, and the, my teacher was so, she was so reverent. She was, um, I think, a, she might have been a survivor of the consecration. 
Okay, she's a Lithuanian Jew, and her husband had been a rabbi, and her father had been a rabbi, and her son's a rabbi. I think she's passed, passed on since then. But she had such a love for the scriptures um, that that I never say the, the sacred name of God either. So, I can maybe type it on the next one next, <laughs> next month so you can see what it looks like. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. So, but the, As a matter of fact, the, the bishops asked that the sacred name be removed from our hymns. Yes, they did. From, yeah. Yes. And, yeah. The, and the Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, I think he was the one behind that. Um, I, for the, the bishops asked that, the, that we remove the sacred name from our hands. Yeah. So that we and maybe not just because it's offensive to Jews for us to say the word out loud, but just that we shouldn't be saying the name of God out loud. You know, it's, it's his sacred name. And when you say someone's name, it's, the Jews believe, and there's something to this too, that we have a sort of power over other people. Does it come close to that? Um, yes, it's the actual Jewish, it's the same word, yeah, it's the same word. So, um, I have read that it's like a very, very ancient form of the word to be, the verb to be, which is a perfect name for God because he's, he's the being joins existence, and St. Thomas explains it. And it's like the ancient Jews knew this without you know, even thinking about it, just that, that the existence and the essence of God are so, they're so enjoying in this moment. I think it's very unfortunate that Jerusalem Bible, which is my favorite translation, they, they spell the name out there, and, uh, and so I just... That was the one, I, I think. Um, yes, yeah, it's okay to say I am, I am, who I am. But um, I never say it in Hebrew. I can't really, I can't even say it. There's no verb. Well, with with the rest of us, our essence is to be human beings. That's what we are, and our existence is the is the life of each one of us existing. But in God, essence and existence are the same thing. So that's what's so remarkable. Yeah. And and so the fact that that God used the verb to be when giving it this name. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I just said that I think the parts of the body praise God, usually. I mean, they have enemies doing it too, you know, like the malice under the tongue. Um, but, um, but they, they don't use the word for talk and speak so much as just say such and such is on my lips or in my mouth or, you know. I agree with that. 
the Israelites despised them too. They despised the Ammonites and just all because these men were the enemies who tried to keep them going to the promised land. But one of the songs says, Moab, I'm going to use as my washbowl. <laughs> and I'll eat them, I'll plant my shoes. That's what he's been talking about, praising all the efforts in my hell that this is going to be and then eat my Moab's going to be my washbowl. <laughs> so, so just to know those are all places that surrounded Palestine. Then the desert, um, sometimes the desert is translated as the Arabah, and that was the salty sort of the wasteland that was between the Dead Sea and the um, and where one of those arms of the, the Red Sea comes up from Egypt. And it's a very, very well the Dead Sea, you know what that's like. And so if you can imagine a, a desert like that, but that was called the Arabah. And the, the same, uh, the Psalm 126, that uh, they go out, they go out uh, in tears. Um, a later stanza of that says something like, send fresh water into the Arabah. I think streams water into the Arabah. And oh, I just remember um, the Ezekiel that we had uh, for a daily mass reading last week, I think, where we see water trickling out from under the temple. He says it flows down into the Arabah and makes all the water fresh. Well, that's a miracle. Not, not water is, is any place just deadly water. And, and this water in the temple is so holy that it makes the water fresh in the, uh, in the Arabah. <laughs> no, this is all just randomly. <laughs> <laughs> This is blood paper. I feel like blood paper. In the scripture where it says ask, seek, and knock. Yeah. In English. Yeah. Is there, is there something comparable in the Hebrew that, yes, that, that comes up in well, um, that one is. Did you repeat the question? Did you repeat oh, the, the question yeah. is um, ask and seek and knock. Is what uh, the Lord. That's actually in the New Testament, it's in Greek. And the words mean exactly that in Greek words. So, um, Greek, this is, well, the Greek in the New Testament is not poetry, so I, I think Greek poetry doesn't rhyme, but this, this is a one-to-one correspondence. Mm-hmm. It's so confirming, A-S-K-S. Oh, um, they, the, the words don't, um, I don't remember what the words are, but they don't, they don't have any kind of sound effect. Um, actually, in prose, I think that the, the Hebrews were, they were more attentive to, I, I think, as a dangerous generalization, I like to check those things before I sing, but <laughs> I think the Hebrews were very attentive to sound, sound in their sacred scriptures. They knew the, the temple liturgy was a very beautiful thing.
Yeah. Yeah. And then it looks like the same thing on the cross. That at least part of the piece of the body Probably so. Many of the songs give you the melody, the name melody. It says, this is supposed to be played to the hymn called The Lilies. And the choir master says such and such. Um, so, so yes, I think that a good Jew, a male, who made his bar mitzvah song, they would in the synagogue. They, they knew it because they, you know, they learned things by heart. They, they didn't have all kinds of distractions like we do, so they, they learned the entire Psalter. And you know, what was your first question? Oh, about the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to understand that, you have to understand the Hebrew mind, okay? And also scripture. Scripture and the Catechism says this, speaks to us on different levels. St. Thomas Aquinas says, uh, he says you have to look at the literal level, and then there's an allegorical level, and then there's a couple of other ones, like the uh, getting ahead on morality and that thing with the two. And so, um, yes, the Hebrews, they didn't like their enemies, but everybody else um, talked that way too in those days. It wasn't just them, you know. So um, they might talk about binding your kings and chains and your nobles and fetters and iron and talking about, talking about your enemies. But a Christian can easily um, translate that into Satan. And I always do that Satan is the enemy, and that when Saint Paul has you dress up in armor in Ephesians, that's just like what they're doing, talking about in the Psalms. They you chain up the evil one. Satan's on a chain. Um, I think was his, the Book of Revelation talks all about that. So, so I have no trouble translating that. And the um, the sacred writers, uh, the sacred writers when they wrote had something in mind. That was usually something specific. That's called a literal level. You have to remember it's not the literal level. You would think literal. We think like literal is what, like a literal, um, you know, re- reading the newspaper literally, and that's what happened. Literal in scripture study is what is what the author intended to say. That's why you can say that Genesis says that the earth, the earth was created in seven days. That's what the author intended to say. Therefore, it's literally true. Well, people will give you a hard time about that, but it's the literal, the meaning of literal, that, that uh, and it, that gets you around a lot of problems if you can explain that to people. And it's not for us. We we might have other ideas about how the, the rate at which the universe came together, but, but as far as that author was concerned, it was, it was literal. I was going somewhere with this thought, but I guess the um, literally, then they meant to to chain up the enemy and conquer the enemy and plant your shoe on Edom and whatever you needed to do to to, to do that. But but uh, now we have the new dispensation and and Satan is the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Yes, sir. Oh, is it on there? Oh, yeah, that's David. This, 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 um, the projection's a little bit too, yeah. Uh, well, and actually, that's the question. They talk about the kingdom of 
I think it could have happened. They, those little, they can, that's a um, medieval painting, so that's parts are bigger than European. <laughs> but, but little liars don't weigh very much. They just have about six strings on a little frame like that. So you could hang a lyre on a tree. And um, it's not real certain that those were willows. It, I think the Hebrew actually says poplar trees. So the, the branches are a little bit stronger. And uh, so that, but so that can be literally true, but also it was a sign of just in, intense sorrow that you could not even sing and celebrate. And then the, the Babylonians are taunting them and saying, oh, sing us a song, sing us one of the Zion songs, we'd like to hear that. And it, it just pierces them to the heart. They can't even, so they just hang their, their lives up because they, this is the point where they can't get out of Babylon and, and they, they, the rejoicing, they just can't do it. They can't even bring themselves to, especially when they're being made to be entertained. You know, just some but yes, I think that they could, I think you could be hanging out a liar upon a poppy branch. Sister Mary Dominic, could you give us a sneak preview to part two? Yes. Just, just I have a sneak part, preview. Yeah, I have uh, parts two and three actually, but I'm going to try to do them together. I picked up um, two. Sections. One is my favorite section of the song, which is called the Songs of Ascent, and they would um, sing them as they went up in the, to the pilgrimage to Jerusalem every year. The people who would go. It's Psalms 120 through 134. If you want to read them between now and next month, they occur, by the way, at the very end of week two in the Psalter in the evening prayer, and then all during week three for the evening prayers. I'll always look forward to week three of this altar because it's got the songs of the set. But that's going to be one. And then I have a section on the Lent um, songs because it's Lent and Sister Mary Veronica and I originally did that presentation for Lent. I think we did both of them for Lent, but she did the part of the uh, Lamentation songs. So that's going to be what next time we'll do. This was... Today was supposed to be just sort of a structural, this is how songs are put together, but every song has these parallel. You'll start to see them everywhere once you start to say the opposite.
but that one is some Friday night, so it's sort of like the, the low point of this of this offer in Calvin. How many rules? I don't know, but there are a lot fewer than Hebrew has a very small vocabulary and and the grammar is very they're very efficient so you can take a word in Hebrew and just change the vowels and you can change it from a noun of um, like a state noun like the state of wisdom which is sedekah or then you can talk about a wise man which is sedek sedek and then um, righteousness there's three of them, and you can change nouns and verbs, and, and they they use their. That's why they have such a small vocabulary, because they can do a lot with them. Whereas Greek has an enormous vocabulary and very very complicated grammar. Hebrew has a small vocabulary and simple grammar, and I actually think it's an easier language to learn than Greek is in terms of just kind of wrapping your mind around it. You just have to get used to writing, reading right to left. So. But it's not as hard to Sister, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.